This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Good morning, everyone. My guests today are Brian and Shannon Miles. Brian is a CEO and co-founder of Belay, and along with his wife, they lead this U.S.-based virtual solutions company that has over 550 folks on payroll, all working from home, totally virtually. Before starting the company, Brian worked for companies in the tech and construction industries. He attained his obtained his BA in business from Mount Vernon and uh, in Mount Vernon, obviously Ohio, where he met his wife Shannon, who also co-founded the company. Brian, Shannon, are you guys ready to take us to the top? We are. All right. So who on earth graduates school and says, I want to go manage 550 virtual assistants that I'm never going to see and they're all over the place? Not us. (laughs) There was a big gap of time between graduating from college and making that crazy decision. (laughs) So walk me through that story. First off, when was year one for the company? Year one was 2010. Okay. And uh, we had started our kind of our careers in 1999. So we'd had about 10, 11 years doing other things before we started Belay. Okay. And where were you from an emotional perspective in that year? Were you guys broke and had to make something work? So you did this or you had built up a cushion in corporate and so you could safely quit and, you know, de-risk the startup? Yeah. We spent our 20s um, getting in a lot of debt and (laughs) (laughs) getting out of it. And actually saving and having a 401k that we used in 2010 to fund our businesses. So Brian and I were both working for different corporations and for various reasons came to the point where those seasons were ending and we'd always wanted to have our own business and just felt like having this cushion of our 401ks to fund it and then the idea to offer virtual assistant solutions in a very niche market, um, it was just the right time to make the leap. So, so how- we quit our jobs on the same day. That's amazing. So walk for those that are not familiar with the space, what's the company doing? How do you make money? What's the revenue model? Our predominant model, our service is virtual assistants. So basically we assign dedicated US-based virtual assistants. So say, you know, college educated stay-at-home moms that are assigned to work with a busy leader in some capacity, whether a pastor, a CEO, an attorney, doctor, you name it. Then we also have a couple other service lines. One is bookkeeping. So it's the same thing, but a little bit different virtual bookkeeping where a bookkeeper is assigned to work with an organization to basically create weapons grade bookkeeping for them. In general, though, no matter the, no matter the service you're providing, is it a basic game of go find the talent at X bucks per hour, go sell the talent at X plus $10 per hour. That's right. It's, it's, we're matchmaking in a virtual capacity. 
That's exactly right. But unlike other firms in our space, we stay with the client and the contractor throughout the relationship to make sure that, you know, as things with our clients' businesses change, we're able to adapt and adjust with them. And so we assign a relationship manager that oversees that relationship and really ensures the success of the engagement for the long term. Yeah, a lot of our competitors don't do that. They just kind of match and hope for the best. And we don't we don't believe in doing that. Who are a few of these that you're referencing? Are you talking like purely no touch systems like Fiverr? Or are you talking no, there's touch plus no touch? Well, we don't really kind of put a we might camp around the same industry like with a Fiverr, but the, it's just they're more of a marketplace where we're providing a specific dedicated service. Um, I would say our closest competitor is Worldwide 101. They're based over in, in London, uh, but they do operate here in the States. And then I'd say, you know, ones that you may or may not be aware of are virtual is one that's out there that we get kind of lumped into that, bu- you know, that bucket as well with those guys. Yep. Now, going back to 2010, when you cashed out your 401ks, have you bootstrapped the whole thing since then or have you raised capital? We have. We have not raised a dime uh, in capital for our business. We bootstrapped it all. We've got the profitability around 14 months in. Okay. And here's the big question. Who owns more of the company? I do. Oh, ah, <laughs> Shannon. I like it. How'd that negotiation go down? Well, it's uh, 51, 49. It's not so, that far off. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's majority owned by a woman. That's and, awesome. Uh, and it's, you know, actually, I really like that personally because the lion's share of the people that represent our brand, our company that, that work for us um, are female. And I think it's really, I think it's just really cool. And, you know, I've seen how well Shannon worked uh, to get to this place in our business in terms of the years leading up to when we started our organization. And it just, it made complete sense. Now, what year did you say you broke even? Well, we, we broke even 14 months into our business. Okay. So 20, uh, yeah, late 2011, early 2012. Right. Yeah. And what was, do you remember what first year revenue was? How low was it in 2010? Oh my goodness. Wow. I want to say it was maybe... To 280, 300,000. Okay. And yeah. that's, and that's not, I mean, you guys are a little unique. Usually I talk to software companies. You actually have a pretty significant cost of goods sold in the form of a that's payment right. to the person, right? So that's what, what do you, what do you optimize gross margin to typically? Well, we, we were targeting somewhere around 50%, you know, okay. but that's also based on the service line. Sometimes you can get a little bit more, sometimes not based on the types of people you're going to attract. The challenge for us, frankly, is we're on the higher side of cost on purpose um, we want great people and they're not cheap. So we have to go up in the market with our price. And today we're kind of known as that premium player because of it. So if I'm going to use you guys for bookkeeping, you might have a relationship with, you know, I'm making this name up, Joanne Nelson in Utah, who does this for a hundred bucks an hour. You put it in your marketplace or your matchmaking kind of inventory at 200 bucks an hour. And that's where you get that 50% in an ideal world margin. Yeah. Yeah. And the key, the operative word there is ideal. Yeah. Do you have any (laughs) other kind of above the line expenses that we wouldn't necessarily know about besides like processing fees, things like that? Yeah. Our account management layer, um, is very expensive and very important to the success of our business. Um, we put that in there too, because that's definitely a cost of goods sold. And this is what you actually sign a dedicated rep to really handhold and the margins on that are obviously low. That's right. Yeah. And really we found, especially in the, um, bookkeeping and virtual assistant realms, that first 90 days is critical. Yeah. Like to get off to a good start. And a lot of our clients have never worked with a virtual assistant before or never had an outside bookkeeper before. So there's a lot of education that goes into making that successful. Yep. Now, if you go back, we're obviously just closing out 2017, but I bet you guys are on your game because you are a bookkeeping service after all. What did you guys do in 2017? We ended the year just shy of 15. Okay. And what was that up from in 2016? 
11. 11. Okay, good. So, I mean, it's healthy growth, especially considering bootstrapped. How are you getting more talent on your system? You went from, I am what, 400 to 550 or something like that? Yeah, we have about 500 contractors um, with our team right now and about 61 employees here in the Atlanta metro area. You know, when people do something that they love, they tell other people about it. So word of mouth continues to be our number one source of finding great talent. Now, we only bring on um, about 2% of the resumes that we get. So we're very selective in who we partner with because it, it has to check a lot of boxes. It has to make sense for the long term. So we actually have had very little outbound recruiting effort because the pool of resources who want to partner with Belay is so large, we can be very selective. Yeah, we're averaging about 1,200 resumes a month that come in. Um, now, the folks that actually work with our clients, they're contractors. And then we have our own corporate team here in Metro Atlanta. And that's our employees. That's the 61 that Shannon referenced. Of the 1,200, how many do you accept typically? About less than 2%. Less than 2%. Okay, great. Now, if I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to role play here for a second. I'm Zirtual CEO. I'm feeling real good about 2018. I think I can go raise some capital. And here's what my pitch sounds like to investors. Hey guys, Belay is like gaining ground very quickly. The model's very simple. They have 500 contractors. We have to pay them more. So we're going to go raise $100 million. And all we're going to do is leech, leech, leaf, and just kill Belay. How do you guys prevent something like that from happening? You know, for the seven years that we've been in business, we've just maintained the best we can with the relationships we have in place and our happy clients seem to fortify around that. We've been intentional not to go out and raise capital. Um, we've been very, we've, we've, our growth rate has been very manageable. Yep. And we've actually, you know, Zirtual's in its second iteration, by the way, Zirtual imploded two years ago and was sold to this organization that now owns in Columbus, Ohio, because they didn't manage their money very well. And when you get, when, and when we see it happen too in our business, when we have good press, we get inundated with people that want to work for us and we get inundated with prospects. And so we've just been very intentional to be really picky about the types of people that become our clients. And we tell our prospects that we're qualifying them as much as they're qualifying us. CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up, and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, finishes a sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it. And it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay. What leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are going to close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks. They're sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. I'm more chatting just about 
defending a marketplace in general. As Warren Buffett would say, a moat. I mean, let's look at an obvious example, Uber and Lyft. How many times have you guys ordered one of those, gotten in the car and seen a sticker for both companies inside the car, right? They don't care what marketplace they get the business through. They only care about where they can make the most money, where there's the most demand for their services. So I guess what I'm asking, Brian, how do you guys, or Shannon, how do you create that lock-in, right? Where those folks stay happy, they're not going to go elsewhere, because that's really your bread and butter. If you lose those folks, that's really hard to rebuild. Well, on the client side, that's that strategy is you know mostly around how we serve them on a day-to-day basis and make sure we're executing well. Specific to how we build our moat is with loyal contractors. You know, we have to do a good job to serve them well as well, and they need to be equipped and resourced as well. And what we find a lot of our competitors just don't do that. They what? don't pour into them. So that's that is really our intention is to help our contractors win. What kind of expectations do you set up when you're onboarding one of these contractors so that you ultimately over-deliver? And what I mean by that is you might say, hey, bookkeeper, you know, stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad in California who doesn't want a corporate job. We think we can make you five grand a month managing five clients bookkeeping for a grand a pop. And then how do you set that expectation and be able to predict accurately, generally, what your clients coming to you will pay for and that you're going to make that, that match work? Yeah. I mean, we know our, our pricing model and it's based on the size of the organization. So we partner with people who have the amount of capacity needed to serve clients of that size. So we, we take into account, like if somebody just wants to work about 20 hours a week, we're going to match them accordingly so that it, it meets their needs. If they have more capacity, then we give them larger clients. So it's, it's a constant um, push and pull to make sure that you have a, a deep bench of qualified resources that are ready at the launch, you know, to take on a client. We never want a client waiting a long time to get started because they've come to us for a need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 high touch, but we found that that adds to long-term relationships and it shows up in our duration. What are your top three services? I imagine bookkeeping is one of them. What are the other two? Our top is virtual assistants. But what specifically, like the ta- like a task oh, that they, they do, do uh-huh. for them? Uh, well, for a virtual assistant, the one that they are doing mostly is email management, calendar management, and project management. Those are kind of the biggies in the virtual assistant side. And on bookkeeping, I mean, it was just weapons grade bookkeeping, AR, making sure things are reconciled each month, producing financials. This sounds like a nightmare to me in terms of managing passwords. I'm curious what tools you guys use or you recommend that your clients use when they're giving one of your contractors access to this stuff? How do you manage all this stuff? Yeah, LastPass is a go-to recommendation (laughs) for sure. Yeah, because it can be, especially if you've got, you know, five clients, you know, keeping up with all of that. So that's that's our recommended password management system. And what other, go ahead. And we don't, um, the way we operate, we don't kind of dictate to the client what they've got to use there. The, the, in most cases, the virtual assistant is going into that client's environment and kind of getting familiar with what they use and the tools they leverage. But oftentimes we'll see that, Oh my gosh, there's 900 passwords. How do we manage this? It's last pass for us. Yep. Well, look, one of the reasons I want to have you on the show, you know, I get a lot of inbound to come on the show and we're way backed up. But one of the reasons I want to have you on is one of the things that I try and teach people, especially solo entrepreneurs, is you have to start creating Google Drive files with process docs about what you're doing because yep. that yeah. process doc becomes the cornerstone of what you hand off to a company like Belay to figure out who to match to you. So I've right. done that with a few companies. I'll have to try you guys. But my biggest issue that's happened so far is the contractor quit 
quitting at the company. So in the past year and a half, I can tell you, I won't name who I use, but I put, you know, several grand through them a month, many, many mornings, two or three times, I'll get an email that says, Hey, you know, Jenny has left. We have to rematch you, which is a pain for me because then I have to retrain the contractor. Um, you guys sounds like you've come up with some interesting ways to solve that. Anything else you want to share there? Well, I mean, it, what you're what you're dealing with, regardless of who the organization is right now, the, the especially in the states, the the labor market's so good right now. You've got people jumping to full time work, um, and then you you've got to be intentional if you're an owner of a business like this. In this kind of when the market's so white hot, to go find people that value working from home. That this isn't a seasonal thing. This is an intentional thing that they're wanting to do long term, mm-hmm. and that's what we've been able to do. Um, now we do have people that get offered great opportunities. I mean, it's it's just the way the market is right now. When we started our business, we we're at nine point six percent unemployment. We're now at like what four point one. I mean, so that's that's that happens in this space. Um, but the way we firewall around it is just being intentional about the people we bring on board, and then also. You know, what you're talking about sucks. We know that because yeah. what happens is you're kind of left in a lurch. That's why we have relationship management in there so that we can basically, you know, bridge that together and stitch that together. And, and hopefully it's not a surprise. It's, it's planned for and with us. That relationship manager, which is a low margin business for you, but helps reduce pain point, will do things like the exiting contractor must yeah. train the new contractor before That's they right. leave to save me from doing it. That's yes. exactly right. Yeah. And it- you know, we're, we even encourage them to be proactive. Like if they're overseeing an engagement and the client's just, I'm happy. It's, it's fine. It's good. That's not what we're going for. We're going for awesome. And oftentimes they'll pick up on those cues and say, listen, I, we need to be able to serve you with excellence. There's another contractor that I think would do a better job would you be open to a transition? And we recognize the impact of that and we don't do it often, but the point is really knowing that client and that contractor well enough to say what our level of expectation is. And if we're not meeting it, what we're offering solutions to make that happen. Yep. You you guys are thinking about all the things I'm thinking about in terms of when I want to hire a company like you. So that's refreshing to hear. Uh, if a company like Salesforce comes to you and says, we'd love to acquire the company for $30 million, do you sell? Maybe. How do you think about, <laughs> how do you, how do you think about an exit scenario when you guys have built a great cash flow, you know, business, if you're doing 15 million top line gross margin target, 50% in best case, that's seven, five, and then, you know, 60 employees at six grand a month, 60 grand a year, conservatively, you know, you're taking, you know, 360 ish to the bottom line on a good month. I mean, you, you've built a good business for yourself. How do you think about an exit? Well, frankly, we have, and right now we're having a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the, that's the struggle with this is we, you know, this was our baby. We still own a hundred percent of it currently. And, you know, we do, we do have ideas, I think on how to scale and grow the business up. We get private equity calls all the time. And it's a, it's a very consistent message with them. Hey, Thank you for your interest, but right now we're good. Um, I think right now our exit is at some point in the distant future. I mean, frankly, with this not being necessarily a tech play, because that's what everybody wants to see when you're talking about multiples, we're actually just people serving people. And we're doing a really good job at that. And, uh, you know, for us, I mean, I'll I'll speak for the, you know, being in the minority ownership of this (laughs) business. Uh, you know, for us, we're having a good time and we're enjoying the season right now, growth in our business. So if somebody wanted to come and have that bigger conversation with us, I mean, we're certainly not going to dismiss it, but at the same time, right now we're, we're heads down focused on growing our business this year. Some of the, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Shannon, I was just gonna say some of the largest software companies to date started off actually as an agency. So Hootsuite was doing social media management, right? And then they said, we should build a tool and now Ryan's doing, you know, 150, 200 million. I mean, have you guys thought about looking at all, what all your contractors have pain points on and your clients and actually building software to deliver that? You have a built-in customer base. Yes, yeah. we, we have, and we're still thinking that through. Yeah. I, Shannon actually um, read a book last year and is and starting a few of our um, employees through this thing called the Google Sprint. Are you familiar with that? No. It's basically a week-long process where you take an idea to prototype to market testing to accelerate the R&D process. And so it's very scripted down to like your office supply list. But I would really like to lead a, a group within our organization through that process to figure out how technology can have a play in our business. Because we, I know that we're missing opportunity there. I mean, we know it and it's just dedicating the time and energy to figure it out in 2018 is definitely the year for us to well, do that. And it's tricky because you're doing well. So you don't really have strong incentive to have to go figure out software. But I mean, I'm thinking even Qualtrics, which probably goes public soon. Clayton Mass is coming on the show right after you guys with Infusionsoft. He started as a consultancy in 2002, now doing about 120 million in ARR. I mean, the tech is interesting and you guys have the hardest part done, which is essentially the initial customer race and all the relationships because you own the marketplace. So we will certainly keep watching. Guys, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Brian, first one to you. What is your favorite book right now? Right now, um, it's... Um, um, I hate that I, it's uh, Accidental Superpower. I have you read that book? It's no, amazing. Accidental Superpower. Yeah, All it's right. about how the States is very fortunate to be in a geography position that it is, and it creates a forward-looking approach at how our country is going to grow in the next 100 years. Number two, Shannon, this one's for you. Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Richard Branson. <laughs> Number three, we'll throw this one, Brian, back to you. Is there a favorite online tool you have to manage your business? Um, I, yes, Clipfolio, which is an analytic tool. And then personally, I also like strides. Yep. Guys, if you want to try Clipfolio, we have a special relationship with Alan and the team over there. You can go to nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics to sign up for a free Clipfolio account. Uh, Shannon, this one, uh, this one will go back to you. Number four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? About six and a half. All right. Six and a half. And actually, since you're a majority shareholder, we're going to keep the rest of the questions here with you. <laughs> six, six and a half. And what's your current situation? Obviously, Mary, do you guys have any kiddos? We do. We have a 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. We've been, just celebrated our 20th year of marriage. Wow. That's exciting. Okay. So two kids, 20 years married. And Shannon, do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 40. Four, wow. Okay. That's great. Last question. Take us back 20 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Yeah. So 20 year old Shannon was already married a year. Go yeah. Figure that out. Um, no, I would say dream bigger. Like I came from very humble beginnings and had no idea that 20 years from now I would be where I am. So I would, I would tell 20 year old Shannon to worry less and have more fun and dream bigger. There you guys have it from Shannon and Brian. She says she would have encouraged herself to dream bigger. She's already married for a year. Who knew that she would have eventually quit her job with her husband and launched Belay in 2010, cashing out the 401k, totally bootstrapped, did about 300 grand in sales in 2010. That was first year break even about 14 months after that, late 2011, early 2012, 2016 did 11 million top line sales, 2017, 15 million now working with over 500 contractors and 61 employees in the Atlanta metro area doing things ranging from bookkeeping to virtual, many, many, many different virtual assistance tasks growing fast. Brian and Shannon, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you for thank the you. opportunity.